Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morsey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Each week we bring you an in-depth interview with a different creative Mississippian. And today we're going to be talking about ceramics, pottery, and the visual arts with our guest, Stephen Phillips. Stephen, welcome. Hi. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you. So you're joining us remotely. Uh, Stephen is uh, a native of Crawford, Mississippi, which is Remind people where I, I know where Crawford, Mississippi is, of course. I've been here many years and work for the state. But tell people where <laughs> your your beautiful little town is. Okay, so Crawford, Mississippi is a small town in Lowndes County. Um, it's actually kind of in the middle of like Ottawa County and Lowndes County. It's one of those towns that you can actually just bypass and miss. But it's right next to another small town, Artesia. If you heard of um, Brooksville, Mississippi, is right next to Brooksville. Um, and then actually is like on the outskirts of like in Ottawa County, if you're coming towards Crawford, it's like right next to on your way to Starkfield. But it's like the countryside. So like, yeah. it's very easy to miss because it's a, small, a very small town. Well, tell people a little bit about, we're going to get into detail about your work as a ceramic artist and a potter, but kind of give people just a little bit of an overview of what it is that you do. Okay, so what I pretty much do, I take clay and make it into functional pieces. I make it into decorative pieces. I have done in the past a few sculptural pieces. My whole take on to take ceramics and make it into something that is enjoyable, something that you can actually use. And then really taking it into a place where you can have gallery quality pieces and place them in your home. And, and that's my whole take, to just bring a exhibition-worthy gallery piece into your home and make it into your own personal decor or you know, decorative pieces or interior decorating um, items. But kind of one-of-a-kind, unique pieces. Yeah, one-of-a-kind, yeah. unique pieces, yeah. Because you have a lot of, uh, well, like any potter, you have your own distinctive style and, 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 and the way that you approach your glaze and your, and your firing techniques. And, we'll, and we're going we're gonna to dive into that in a little bit. But maybe let's just start from the beginning and talk about your origins as, as a creative person and an, as an artist. When you were growing up in Crawford, were there creative people in your family or in the community that that you kind of see now as being an influence on you and and i'm thinking broadly not just someone who says i'm an artist but people that you know created things with their own hands or that were singers or storytellers or those type of people so my family on my mom and my dad's side i come from a family of creatives uh my mom's a singer i sing as well i have a lot of singers on my mom's side and my dad's side I watched my mom sew. I watched my grandmother sew. And I have one of my favorite cousins. Um, I grew up watching her sew. She actually like did more um, seamstress and sewing work compared to like the other family members because she did like wedding dresses. She would actually do like prom dresses and take people ideas and sketches and ideas and actually turn them into the pieces that they really wanted. 
So like being around people like that, that was really creative and actually watching them um, do different things. I've watched my one of my the cousin I'm talking about now, her name is Katie. She will sketch out different stuff sometimes um, in a little pad and then come up with different things to do for her um, gowns that she would create. Other people that I watch create, like people in school, I've watched like different artists in school, like people painting, drawing, my art teachers uh, being creative and you know, just watching things on TV and stuff like that. But like creativity is one of those things that just always been like in my family. So watching other people create has always been inspirational. Uh, my mom was a school teacher. I watched her do like the puzzle boards for like learning numbers and alphabets and stuff like that. I watched her actually create those and put those together. So that was something else that always added to my creativity. And so when did you kind of try your own did you start drawing were you did you have when did you kind of feel like this is something you wanted to try out yourself okay so for me i had to be honest i started off as a kid country kid playing in the mud so i was one of those kids that grew up playing in the mud like all the time like being outside and i just used to actually just make elephants and all kind of stuff like with like the the dirt like we had like like clay substance, like dirt around the house. Like it's like that red dirt. I don't know if you guys ever just seen that, like the red dirt and has like little clay particles in it. So yeah, we had some of that around. So I used to go dig or play in that and make little mud pies or make little elephants. And I used to actually take the elephants and try to fire them. Didn't need to play with fire, but I did. <laughs> and I used to actually fire them. I never understood why I was doing what I was doing. And my cousin, the same cousin that used to sew, she always used to say when she watched me make the elephants and stuff, she was like, that boy's going to do something. Like, he is so creative now, you know, like, imagine what he's going to do when he actually gets older. So, like, she saw a spark in me, like, at a young age with me doing the things that I was doing. And like I said, I had no clue what I was doing, like, not even having the understanding of ceramics with the whole firing and all that. I just knew I just wanted to heat it up to kind of uh, solidify it, make it hard, and hopefully it lasts. Didn't have a clue at all. But now I have an understanding. It's amazing, though, like to see and to think back on that perspective of, as a kid and, and understanding what I'm doing now. I, I think sometimes we can tap into purpose or we can tap into that God-given ability at an early age unconsciously and not knowing what we're doing, but later on in life, learning what we was doing is just a start of what we was actually becoming. You're listening to the Arts Hour, and our guest today is Stephen Phillips. He's a ceramic artist, potter, based in Crawford, Mississippi, has his studio there, but sells his work and exhibits all, all over the place. Before we leave that, I was just curious, so how did you, were you like building a fire? How were you firing your elephants? How did you do that? Okay, so like we have like cinder blocks, like I would have those and then I would, I would go and yeah, take the, a piece of paper or something and a stick, light it with the fire and take it and put the piece on top of the cinder block and then put fire underneath the block. Oh, wow. So you had your own little kiln and you didn't even know that either. <laughs> didn't even know I had a kiln, but yeah, I had a, my own kiln. Like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but, but you soon were, you know, getting into this for real as a as a college student so so talk a little bit about those days and and 
was it something that just naturally came to you once you finally got to sit down at a wheel at, at when you were in college? Okay, so in college, well, I went to EMCC, um, East Mississippi Community College. And so starting off there, I started off with hand building. And um, hand building was pretty natural. I started off doing like core pots and I found my niche there. I used to actually do uh, like pinch flowers and put flowers on pieces and stuff like that. So that was a natural niche for me. Getting on the wheel was a whole different ball game. Mm. It was a struggle. <laughs> it was a struggle, like for most people. But um, I started off learning the basics there. And then um, none of my pieces really turned out really good, like on the wheel. So I stuck to hand building. But I learned the basics of throwing at EMCC. And then when I got to MUW, which is Mississippi University for Women, that's when my throwing skills actually took off. I got under Professor Al Holland and she really got me into the place of discipline and learning um, the skills of throwing. Like my professors at MCC, um, Lisa Spinks and Mr. Terry Cherry was my uh, main professor, but they would come in when I was on the wheel and kind of encourage me. They would show me different things. Miss Lisa would kind of, you know, Leave it alone, leave it alone. And <laughs> me thinking, okay, well, I just, you know, one more touch. And of course, one more touch, I always mess it up. She would kind of just like try to get me to understand the concept of learning how to leave the piece alone when it's good enough. Uh, Mr. Cherry taught me all the basic, like with the wedging and the coning and all that kind of stuff and the throwing. And then, like I said, once I got to MCC, it kicked into play because I had a, a strict professor, Al Holland, and she really taught me a lot of discipline, and she really got a chance to really work with me one-on-one -on -one with learning throwing, and that class was all throwing once I got under her. That's all we did was throwing. We did hand-built te technique and hand-built stuff, but it was more so focused on, like, throwing, and so you had, like, those projects where you have to center, um, like, 12 balls of clay, working, making certain cylinders to, like, six inches, out of, you know, half a pound or however. So so you have projects like that to actually work and work your memory. And so that's one of the things too, like when, with throwing um, and with creating with pottery, you work into memory. And that's like constantly doing it over and over. And that's like with anything you do, once you practice and do that, the better you become. And so that was one of those things that you got into once I got, well, that I got into once I got into MUW ceramic class there but that's like with any any art form that you do the more you practice the better you are with your gift and that was the thing i think i was born a natural ceramic artist and that's what one of my teachers al holland that's what she told me she pulled me to the side she's like you're natural and so with me having the natural ability from a kid you know playing in the mud all i needed was the discipline and then the practice to put it to play to actually get me to the place where i am now what are some of the things in particular for a ceramic artist that are kind of like that you learned at the W, kind of like those, okay, you have to learn this practice. What are some of the big important steps? Be, you know, maybe I'm thinking more kind of like the artist's life, you know, and 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 putting your getting your practice. That's, I think I've heard uh, visual artists talk about getting your practice set. What are some of the big lessons maybe that you can think back about from that time? Okay, some of the main lessons I've 
think about my last professor, uh, ceramic artist teacher, in Childers would always come in and he would look at me throw. Uh, he was my last professor after Al Holland. And he would teach me different things like with the practice, like he would actually come in and like poke holes in my pieces and tell me to fix it. So like I get to like this big, nice 12 inch pot and then he'll throw something into it and it was like, okay, now fix it. He's like, so it's one thing to be an artist and to be a ceramic artist, but it's, a, it's another thing to learn how to correct issues and errors, you know? And so that was one of the things that he taught me. He also taught me discipline with being consistent in my throwing and teaching me how to take a basic cylinder to make any shape. He just taught me like, I mean, like things like that for me, like learning the practice of taking one pound and consistently throwing uh, 12 cylinders. That teaches you consistency, that teaches you the discipline, and it teaches you how to become one as an artist with the craft that you're doing. Yeah, that's one those, That's one of the lessons. And like, like I said, fixing, like me now learning how to fix my pots and stuff like that and learning the different tricks of fixing pots. I can save pots when I need to save a pot, but then it's also helped me as a teacher. So when I'm teaching others how to do pottery, that comes into play because now when I'm watching students throw or watching other people throw, I can actually come in and, and know the mistake they're gonna make before they make it because of the different movements of watching their body language. Or if they do make a mistake and I don't catch it you know, ahead of time, I'm able to teach them the lessons that I've learned how to fix the pot. Because a lot of times you're in those classes and you're doing projects, especially like, like the class I had today, people are throwing, this is their first time, or people are creating by hand building and it's their first time, and they don't have the understanding in the education. So you have to learn how to be able to teach those people in those moments so that way they can save the peaks, of course, because they want to keep something or they want something to um, make it so they can have something to take home. So you have to be able to teach them how to save the piece so they have something they can keep. So um, yeah, those lessons are always good. And practicing, practicing, and practicing is so key to any craft. Like I said, it's the, it's the key um, component in any medium that you're gonna be working. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. Our guest today is Stephen Phillips. He's a ceramic artist potter based in Crawford, Mississippi. And um, so, Stephen... You know, one of the things I think about when I see, like watching people throw on the wheel, especially pulling a, a form a really high up, it, it just seems like a magic trick. It's just so amazing to watch. It, it just seems like you're, you're taking literally a pile of mud or, you know, a pile of clay and, and just zoop, it just comes right up. I'm, I'm curious for you just to maybe talk a little bit about 
what what it's like actually doing that what are you thinking about is it is it like super concentration or is it like memory you know you have these when you're doing it you know kind of like the the the, the hands take over kind of thing is it an automatic thing talk, talk about that like being in that in that space and doing that okay so for me when i am throwing usually when i throw i listen to to put me in the zone i listen to my worship music as a christian believer i just put in like worship music and get in the zone sometimes i do like different collectives of like jazz or classical music but like once i find like something to listen to that's going to put me in my zone i put it on and then i sit at the wheel and i'll be honest sometimes i do have sketches of and i'm already have like a picture in my mind of what i'm going to actually do but then sometimes i have moments i just come in and i just become one and what that is what i do is like just relax Ceramic is very therapeutic. So I come in, I relax, I sit down at the wheel, knowing the basics of like centering, you have to become centered yourself. And so that's the thing. And centering is like when you're getting the, the clay in the center and you're getting it as centered as possible, meaning that you have your hands in position and the clay is passing through your hands as it, the wheel is spinning. And then the clay becomes centered, like where it doesn't move or wobble. And so to do that, you have to mentally like release everything, like all of the stress, all of the worries, just release it and begin to do your thing. And so like for me, I center and then like once I center it, I start focusing on pulling up the walls, it takes concentration, or so concentrating out like how tall you want the piece. Also, you're thinking about the weight or how big the piece is. So you're knowing like mentally, okay, I need to make sure that my walls are gonna be this thin or my walls are gonna be this thick. So that those are the thoughts that are passing through my mind while I'm doing it. Feeling is key when it's coming through throwing because your feeling also brings about memory, it, your, your senses of the touch of the clay and stuff like that. You can tell you have an air pocket, anything like that. Like, so you're, you're feeling and you're thinking, but it's not like you're things so much that it's just like so hard to, to do. You know, it's, it's using your body and your hands as tools to create. Other things that I'm experiencing at that time, I, I sing while I throw too. So <laughs> I sing while I throw. Uh, and so like I said, I'm, I'm at peace. So it, it's a peaceful thing for me. So it's, it's, it's a stress reliever. Uh, and like I said, I'm becoming one with the clay. And, and and you've been teaching as you were just talking about teaching in class. So how do you how do you get people started and get them kind of over the hump of the difficult, you know, the the, the, the difficulty of doing that act? And, and, and how does that it seems like it would be really hard to to kind of get up on the horse of, of throwing and, and, you know, make something happen. And th that's where the some real teaching happens, I would guess. So for me, like when I'm actually starting off teaching people, I, I teach them position and posture. So throwing has a lot to do with your posture. A lot of times people, body language, you know, they're trying to get comfortable, but at the same time, they they use like movies like Ghost as a reference. And, you know, you're thinking about like how you're sitting, but most people not even really paying attention to their posture. So what one of the first things I do is teach the basics of learning how to position yourself to sit centered. You have to be centered at the wheel. If your body is centered, 
then everything else is going to line up. And then once like learning how to position your body and your, and your posture, then we learn on how to position your hands around the clay. And, and that goes by, um, I do a demonstration usually starting off doing the dem demonstration, showing what I'm doing, teaching people how to watch my body language so they can see like the way that I am doing and the way that I'm sitting. And then once I teach them the basic of how to sit down and position your hands and everything like that and teaching the, 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 the forms of pulling and all of that, then I sit them at the wheel. We'll work on posture, put your you know body together, sit up close, get your legs locked in and how to lock your arms in the places that your arms need to be locked in and everything like that. And then uh, one of the things that I do is teaching them like to feel while you're throwing, you know, see what it feels like when it's out of off, off center, then see what it feels like when it's centered, because that's going to play into the memory of knowing what to do that when you sit down at the wheel and you're preparing to actually create something. And so like once I do that and everything like that, I ask them, okay, so you see you see the difference? And then they were like, yeah, 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 I get it. I feel it, you know? And then I, I show them if they mess up or, or if their hands are wobbling or doing something, I show them how to correct their hands or, or I will actually get up and actually, you know, touch their hands or position their hands in the right place. And once I do that and they learn the correct posture, what it feels like and all of that, man, it's like, it's, it's easy from there. Like once you learn the basics of how to position your body and everything that else that you need to be feeling and all that, I mean, it comes to you. It's like now, like nature, like it just come like naturally. You're listening to the Arts Hour. Our guest today is Stephen Phillips. He's a ceramic artist from Crawford, Mississippi. So I first found out about you from a video, uh, kind of artists in their own spaces that the, I can't remember the, the title, but there's a series that the Museum of Mississippi Museum of Art did with different artists around the state and kind of showing the artist in their their home space. And they have one of you and you're in your in your studio that you have put together for yourself. So tell us a little bit about the, the story of your studio and how and its importance to you. OK, so the story of my studio, my studio started off. Um, I graduated from college and I was still working at my job at the convenience store, which is next one stop. That's my place in Crawford. It was in Crawford too. So that was like one of my first jobs that I had getting ready to prepare for college. So I was doing that. And then um, I was in between trying to actually find a job for like teaching. And so that didn't work out. And so I was just like, okay, Lord, like since I can't get into the school system the way that I want to get into the school system, then the next thing on my list to do is my dream is to have my own studio. I'll be honest, my mom's let me start off throwing in my room and I couldn't believe she let me do that. My sisters and uh, my siblings say that I'm spoiled because my mom let me do that. But like <laughs> I, had, I had clay and stuff everywhere. <laughs> but um, my mom did let she allowed, she, she saw my gift and saw the ability that I had. So she invested in me by allowing me to continue my craft inside my bedroom. Um, and so I was like, I need space. I need to have space. And so with, you know, things not going well, or things not falling through with me trying to transition and find me a better job for teaching, I decided to create a hope and dream book. And in that book, my hope and dream book, I wrote down my studio and I sketched out what I needed, wrote down all the materials. I started researching like materials I was going to buy, all of the equipment and everything. And it started from there. The importance of my studio was so important for me because I needed space to create. Um, someone came and gave me a word and they were saying that 
the Lord said, you need a space to create. And so I was like, okay, I know I need a space. And I had been having visions and dreams about, you know, what my space would be like. And so I sketched out stuff and like I said, I was pricing stuff. And then um, I end up going to a place where you can buy like little portable storage buildings. So I end up in a portable storage building. And it was so good for me to get that because I was just like, okay, now I'm moving to my purpose or now I'm moving more so into my creative space. And I got the space and everything like that and everything started falling into place from there. But the key thing was I had to sketch it out. I had to write the vision and make the vision plain. And so once once I wrote the vision out for what I really wanted, things started happening, things started taking place. I didn't know how I was gonna be able to pay for everything and get everything done. And um, when that happened, it, actually after I wrote my vision and wrote my vision out, that's when I got a call from the current job that I have now being a inventory coordinator, uh, a scale house clerk. I got a job to go and work for the temp service. I got in from tip service first, but I only got that after I wrote my vision of what I really wanted to do with my studio. And I took that as a token or I took it as the inspiration or the, the key thing to hold on to to understand that once your vision is written out, then things are start manifesting for you. And so got the job, started making the money that I needed to make because I didn't know exactly how I was going to have the finances that I need. I mean, working at a convenience store is good, but I didn't make enough money to get like the equipment I needed because ceramics is very expensive, like super expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So um, like I said, I got the space and I started going from there. I started, you know, you know, working on the interior. I, I found someone to do the chic rock for me. Um, I did the floors myself. Um, being at the job that I was at, I had a guy, one of my good friends, Marty, he was telling me, you know, what to do about the floor and stuff like that and how to do it because he used to do like contract work. He was like, oh man, you can do that yourself. Did that. I had a cousin who um, does carpenter work. He actually came in, helped me build like a separate room for like my glazes and my drying room and all that kind of stuff like that and everything. And so like, God has been good, man. Like I, I love my space. I got my space to where I can have it. And I won't even, you know, be ashamed. I actually had a payment every month. I did a rent to own for my portable studio. And that was one of the things that I wrote down. I was doing like monthly payments and write down my plan, like budget and stuff like that. That's one of the things that I encourage people you know, it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. And I tell people all the time, like, I'm not afraid and I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell people that I actually went and I got a space that I can rent to own, you know, and I paid like monthly payments. I did the same thing with my kiln. I put my kiln on layaway, as we say layaway, or on a payment plan to, I got to the place where I was able to pay it off. Sometimes you have to do things like that to accomplish your bigger, bigger goals or your bigger dreams. And that's just taking it one step at a time. I had someone to tell me one time, they was just like, you know, you got a lot on your plate. Well, you're trying to do a lot. And then it was like, um, how do you eat an elephant? And I was, you know, and I was like, how do you eat an elephant? And I was just like, I don't know. And it's like, you can't eat an elephant like with one, you know, one bite. You have to eat it one bite at a time. And that's the same thing when you're building a dream or you're building your goals, you have to do it one step at a time. And that was one of the things that I did to get my studio space.
Yeah, I noticed when I was looking at your uh, Instagram feed earlier today that you had a picture from your Hope and Dream book and kind of showing, you know, like, this is where I started. So don't think that you can't do it because, you know, I started at just having these hopes and dreams and now I have this paid off place and et cetera, et cetera. So that was really great, kind of a great inspirational story for people who are not that much younger than you who are just saying, how could I ever do this? And it's, it's, it's really great. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey. You're listening to our last segment of the Arts Hour today, and our guest today is Stephen Phillips with Stephen's Potter's House Productions in Crawford, Mississippi. He does ceramic arts, all kinds. Well, let's let's talk about the work itself. Um, you've got a lot of different variety. You've, from what I can tell, you do kind of um, production pieces, but you also do kind of one-of-kind art pieces and Maybe we could start with the uh, the Black Panther series, which seems seems like something that's gotten you a lot of interest. How did um, maybe you could describe it a little first, and then you could talk about the inspiration of how you you got started on this specific series. Okay, so how I got started. Um, so once I got finished with um, college, uh, one of the things that my last professor taught me uh, talked to me about Professor Ian Childers was talking about, you know, how do do I need to treat the surface? You know, how do you treat your surface? What are you doing to make your work stick out from other people and other artists? So that was one of the things that stuck with me and one of the things that I think about often, like all the time. And so um, with the Black Panther series, I started off like I want to do raccoon firing. I love raccoon firing. Um, And raccoon firing is just a uh, Japanese technique where you're actually taking pieces that have been disfired placing it into a kiln and heating up the temperature really, really quick to get the glaze to melt. And then you're taking that and putting it into a trash can or a uh, um, container of combustible materials. And then you're actually closing it off so that the pot that is very super, super hot begins to absorb all of the oxygen and the, the, the combustible material and stuff like that. And with that happening on the inside, that causes for the glaze to change colors. It's pretty much what we call reduction. So that's the, the basic of the technique. But I got into the doing the Raku um, series for the Black Panther is when I was doing pieces and I was doing Raku firing, I wanted to do naked Raku. And naked Raku is like when you place like slip on pieces and then you fire it up real, real hot and then the slip begins to crack. And then 
it leaves like the white spots where the clay, the, the slip was laying and then the places where the slip was not laying, it turns like really, really black. Like you get the smoke that actually absorbs into the pores of the clay body. So I had pieces like that created first. I had just watched that, the movie uh, Black Panther, right? And I decided I had some gold wax that I wanted to use. You know, Black Panther, he has these nice, uh, like lines on his his armor and stuff like that that lights up and glow sometimes like gold sometimes like purple blue however so um i decided to use me some lines with the the wax using like a tape resist so that means i'm taking tape to create different lines and then taking the wax and laying the wax in on the clay body like well the tape is not and, and it creates like these different designs or whatever. And I'm hoping I'm explaining that correct so you can kind of get a visual what that looks like. And so I did that. I ended up posting the pieces. Like I looked at them, I was like, oh man, it almost looked like something that will be on Black Panther. And posted it on Facebook. My mind didn't think no more of it. And so then I posted it. And then like one of my cousins and a few of my friends, they started looking at me like, oh my God, like, dude, that looks like something that would be on Black Panther. And I was like, I know I said the same thing. That's crazy. And they was like, well, you need to start a series. I was like, you think so? And I was like, I probably shouldn't do that. I didn't want to copyright anything like that. So I was just like, ah, I was up in the air about it. I was like, okay, I'll go, ahead. I'll go with it. And so that was the first volume. And so I was so intrigued by how it took off. I got a lot of feedback from it and everything. So then I decided to do a volume two. And the volume two is like, what's really really known is it has these big bold copper tones the gold accents and then that black um color and it turns out really really good like it gives you a nice luxurious look then at the same time because of the designs of the surface it has a lot of um african uh influences or african motifs that i like to kind of rely on my creativity, but at the same time, I'm relying on things that I've seen in the past with African pottery or African art. So yeah, that's how the, the Black Panther series came about. It actually came about by me just going in, creating with Raku firing, and then um, posted it on Facebook. I got a lot of feedback from it, and then going to make a decision from there to actually create a whole series. And that's what I've been doing from there. Yeah, the the surface of it is very unique and that you just described. But I think also the um, the shapes are, are are very unique. And I was curious to hear they have very wide middles and then the kind of the I guess you I'm not the spout, but the top of the vase or the the piece is is super super narrow and thin and kind of goes from the the widest you can go to the thinnest. And I'm curious about those forms and where what your influences or what, what, what the origins of those, those ideas came from. So like throwing bottles have always like intrigued me. My professor in children's is like a master at throwing bottles. So I used to kind of pattern myself behind him trying to throw bottles. Cause like bottles are very, very difficult to throw. It's like one of those, it's one of the difficult forms out of pottery to throw, because like you just said, you're going from, this wide shape and then you're actually trying to bring it all the way back into this like narrow small opening and it's very difficult because you have to understand the process of how to create these pieces so i i, I like to do that because bottles brings about a whole character a whole personality of its own to pieces and at the same time like 
I want to kind of flex my creative ability. I want to flex my throwing skill. And so those are pieces you want to go to. And those are the pieces you want to create to really show that you are, you know, your craft. You really want to show other artists or you want to show other people that you really know your craft, like creating those pieces, not just give you quickly how to create those pieces. Typically what you want to do when you get ready to go out wide or whatever you want to use heat is key. And I use a heat gun, heat is key, and speed is the other key that most people don't understand when it comes to bringing that 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 opening to a small opening, like going from wide to in. Using heat to kind of stiffen the piece that's already wide, and then um, using speed to help with the process of actually closing the piece in. So you kind of get it out to the wide part and then kind of harden it a little bit with, with, I've seen that on your videos using the heat gun on it. And then mm-hmm. it's, you s- turn the, the, I guess the revolutions of your wheel, you get your wheel going faster then to, to kind of do the finish up. Yes, sir. And that's, that's the key. I speed up the wheel, the wheel a little faster to get in, to bring that, that clay in more towards the, the middle. And the other key component component is to make sure you're leaving enough clay at the top to actually do that. So you, and I, and I said again, so heat is key. So, you know, solidifying the surface a little bit, not drying out bone dry or, you know, where it's just dusty dry, but drying out enough to get some of that moisture out so it can actually hold the form. And then uh, the other thing is making sure you leave enough clay at the top and then using the speed of the wheel to actually throw in, to push the clay in. So you're pushing with your outside hand, guiding it with the inside hand, which is typically if you're right-handed, um, your left hand being on the inside and your right hand on the outside, pushing in as you speed up the wheel, the speed of the wheel to close that form in. Okay. You're listening to the Arts Hour, and I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Stephen Phillips, a ceramic artist from Crawford, Mississippi. Stephen, so talk about... Um, You've been showing your work. It's starting to get displayed places. Talk a little bit about your the exhibitions and things that you've been involved with in terms of getting your work out there. So with the exhibitions and everything that I've been involved with, um, I really got my start, and I have to thank my school. My professors, they considered me at the W um, to give me my own solo show. But it was my own space, which was, we have a lot of galleries there now, and I think it was like Gallery 2, they decided to uh, display my work. And so that was the start because they've been watching me on social media, like create. And that was the thing, like just constantly creating and creating to get myself to the place where I can start entering in two shows. So they invited me to do a show. And from there, I've started getting more shows. I had another exhibition locally at the Columbus Art Council. And I did a, a collaboration with a, and it was one of my favorite shows, with Eric Stutter. He did uh, photography work with action figures. And so that was my start with getting my work out there, getting like the rave and the vibe. But the other thing that really got my work out there with dealing with galleries and different shows was social media. Uh, And I have to be honest, the takeoff for me with my work started more so on social media than it did anything else. Came to like the Black Panther series, um, that really starts t- taking off doing uh, Black Lives Matter of last year, other different things like my color contrast series start taking off. 
as well during that time of last year because a lot of people wanted to be supportive of black ceramic artists or black artists. And so a lot of people just start posting, putting people on their social media platforms, sharing their work. And my work from there has taken off to get me into like exhibitions, magazines, books, and all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, social media has played a big platform for me. Also the start up of being into galleries like um, at MUW or at the Columbus Art Council has also played a major part into me getting to shows. What about kind of the the other thing that I see kind of happens in the social media world is just kind of artists talking to artists, like connecting with other ceramicists. T- t- tell me about how that has benefited you or, or influenced you in terms of just being able to connect with people around the world. Man, when I tell you I love social media, uh, for me, the platform that does it the most um, is Instagram. And I do Facebook as well. I started off going to um, the Alabama Clay Conference. And I had to mention that because uh, with the Alabama Clay Conference, I was able to get around and meet other people in person. And so, of course, they have a Clay Buddies page on Facebook. And so you start meeting different people. And then once I got into getting on Instagram, I started meeting a whole nother platform of different artists that not that are not even on Facebook or more so on Instagram. But man, like meeting other artists, like to talk about your work is so helpful because now you can find other people. It's not like every day you're walking by an artist, you know, but social media brings other artists right into your touch, you know, into your intimate space. And so now you have people you can actually go and do like critiques with. Um, You can bounce ideas back and forth with um, you find people that like you, that look like you, people that sound like you when it comes to talking about your creativity and stuff like that. I mean, like social media provides a unlimited, a limited source of communication, advice, and so many other things that you can do with other artists that are worldwide. Well, you are a very focused person and, and seem to have a lot of objectives. What, what kind of like, what's, what's in your, um, what's in the hope and dream book for, for the next year or a few years, just either things that you're trying to accomplish with your work or are new types of projects? What, what are things that are coming up for you that you're, you're excited about or you're ready to get started on? All right, so uh, things I'm getting excited about, I have three exhibitions for next year. So I'm excited about that, getting ready to get work for that. Um, one would be in Biloxi at the George O'Keefe Museum. And then one would be in Florida. It's going to be at the Charlie Cummins uh, Museum um, Gallery. And then I have one that's going to be at Heinz Community College. Uh, that's next year. And I, I think I have a few more, too, that's on my schedule for next year. Um, other things that I'm excited about trying to get done, like I really, 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 really want to do, um, I really want to do like a soundtrack or a um, song, like a musical song for like throwing, like that's actually focused on like creating and stuff. I have it, uh, a sample of it that I usually would use in my videos on Instagram. And I had like a lot of feedback from different artists asking like, okay, could you go ahead and put this like on social, like on um, uh, screaming um, tunes or iTunes, iMusic or whatever. And I was just like, you think you're like that? It was like, like, dude, I need this song. So that's one of the things that I want to work on is actually getting like 
music created for artists uh, or creatives that's doing what I'm doing. Um, I want to maybe start like a t-shirt apparel or something like that. That's something else that I wrote down in my my hope and dream book and my sketchbooks and stuff. And the other thing I wrote down is I wanted to kind of get um, work out, like different like dinnerware sets or something out in like like maybe Amazon or Walmart where people can actually buy um, pieces that's actually designed by an actual ceramic artist, like thinking about, you know, the whole concept or how to dine with handmade um, plates and dinnerware. Okay. Sounds like a good, a good list. Well, Steve, yeah, it's, it's a lot. That's a lot. But, you know, you're never going to get bored. So, to, all right. So, Stephen, for, for people who want to learn more about your work, see it and, uh, and uh, experience it. Give us your uh, social media, your your contacts in terms of where people go need to go to see your stuff. Okay, so on Instagram, if you're on Instagram, you can actually follow me at SP House Productions. That's on Gmail. Uh, I mean, on Instagram. Sorry, and my email is sphouseproductions at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, Stephen's Potter's House Production, or you can find me by Stephen Phillips. I have a personal page on Instagram as well, which is Stephen P12. You can find me S T E P H E N P12. You can find me on there with my personal page, or you can just find me on Facebook at Stephen Phillips. <laughs> or you can Google me, Stephen Phillips Pottery, and I will pull up. Excellent. Stephen, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.